Hey everyone. Hello. Hey everyone. Glad to be at church today. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we've been in 2 Samuel, but we're going to have a one-off message today. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. And before we jump into the kingdom of God, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys another story about myself and my family, just so everyone gets to know me a little bit better and, and you can understand a little bit about our life. Uh, so obviously we have the seven children. We have uh, five girls and two boys, and uh, our, our, the first four are girls, and, and uh, during COVID, we, we were building our home and, and living somewhere else, and we told our oldest, hey, we will. We'll go ahead and, and buy you a guinea pig. She was begging for one once we move into this new house. So we ended up buying this guinea pig, and she named it Molly. It was a, a you know, okay pet. Like, it, was, it wasn't very nice of a guinea pig, to tell you the truth. Well, then the second daughter ended up saying, I want a guinea pig. I want a guinea pig. I want a guinea pig. And I was like, okay. So one day I decided to go pick her up from co-op to surprise her and go get her a guinea pig. And, and she got in my car and she says, yes, dad, God answered my prayer. And I said, well, what do you mean, Lila? And she said, I prayed that I would get out of this test I did not study for. And God did it. <laughs> I said, I'm not sure about that, Lila. I'm not sure that's, that's really the Lord. I think it, you know, maybe, probably not. Um, tried not to burst her bubble too much. Then we went to two or three stores to find a guinea pig she liked. The first one, I was like, this is a great, it's a female guinea pig. It's a really great guinea pig. And she's like, I don't like that one. I'm like, okay. So go to the next store and she finds this one she likes and, and we buy it and turns out, it wasn't a girl. Well, we didn't know for a couple months. And, <laughs> you know, like I'm sitting in the living room watching Duck Dynasty or whatever show that's on that I would like to watch. And, and I keep hearing them squealing. I'm like, why are they squealing so much? What, what's going on over there? Well, yeah. So one day, Natalie has the guinea pig turned over. She says, I think this, I think Kit is a boy. I'm like, no way. And then it all makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. The evenings where I hear everything, I feel the other guinea pig. It has babies in it. Molly has babies. I'm like, oh, no. So then we ended up having three babies. So we have uh, two boys and a girl, a guinea pig, and ended up where we ended up exchanging the boys, you know, trying to get some money back from them or giving them to somebody else. And so then we were down to two guinea pigs, or at that point we had two, but we, we bought one more in exchange for the male that we had bought. So since then, the two youngest have died. I was sad. <laughs> I am like, come on, Molly. Kick the bucket. Because I, I don't really care. I don't like them. I think the baby guinea pigs are fun. But, I mean, it's they stink. They're, you know, they make noises. I, I don't, you know. Anyways, so that's a little bit about our family, you know. And then one of the children, I left this out, but one of the children who got the guinea pig ended up being like, I don't want to do any of the work. I'm out. Like, no, you're going to do the work. So then she griped about it. A lot. So now we're down to one. So if you want a guinea pig, I've got you. Anybody? No? That's what I thought. 
Good deal. Well, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that you love us, Lord. We're thankful for for joy in life, Lord, whether it's guinea pigs or relationships or just blessings from you. No, we pray that you will move today, that you would uh, help uh, grow your kingdom, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm preaching from a Mac today. I was having some issues with the formatting, but um, so be, you know, please be patient with me as I'm navigating some of this. Some things got out of order as I was changing things back and forth from landscape to, you know, normal. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll be in, in a couple of different passages. We'll be in Matthew chapter six. If you want to turn there, if you want to mark in your Bible with your finger or, you know, your little tab stringy thing, like Robert Morris says, the tab stringy thing, mark uh, Acts chapter one, because then we're going to go there. Um, and, and the subject is the kingdom of God. And so it's only appropriate we go to different passages about God's kingdom. Now, I can't go to every passage. I can't read every passage. If I, I would just keep reading all service if I just read scripture, right? So we're just going to go to the different passages that have really hit my heart at preparing for this message today. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is uh, at, he's preaching what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the big sermon of his ministry that's mentioned. So uh, chapter 6, verse 9 says this, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, sometimes when you're reading scripture, it's helpful one, to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, hey, help me understand what I'm reading. But also it's helpful to look at the Bible and see what it doesn't say. So he, when he prays about he says, pray this about the kingdom. It doesn't say, and Lord, give us the kingdom on, give, the, give us the kingdom in, on earth as it is, as it is. He's, that's what he says, as is in heaven. I'm having a hard time saying it wrong. But give us, you know, he doesn't say the that that it that it doesn't that it does, the will of God ha- happens here on earth and not heaven. No, he says pray that the will of God happens here on earth as in heaven. And so it's important to remember we live in a fallen world. Sin has entered and sickness as a result of of sin. So you have evil evilness that runs rampant. And so we have to remember His will isn't done, and we're supposed to pray for it. Amen, everybody. So that's, the, that's really the foundation of what we're talking about today is one, is prayer, but two, that we need to pray that his kingdom would come, that it would be his will. So then, he, then Jesus begins uh, talking about different subjects in Matthew chapter 6, and he gets to the point where he talks about, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. He talks about how the birds of the air have food. They're not worrying, you know, and the, the heavenly father feeds them and how the lilies of the field are clothed in more splendor than, all of, than Solomon ever was. And he says, don't worry about these things. Your heavenly father will clothe you as well. But then he gives what we should do. And he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Just as we seek his kingdom and his righteousness. So really, Jesus is saying here, these are the two goals. And I think another way to say it is his kingdom is his will 
and then his righteousness is his way. You know, who knows here that if Jesus is going to be our Lord, that means we have to follow him and follow his truth. It's not just that we confess it, it's we follow his will and his way. So how do we know that we're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness? That's the question that we have. And before we get, we'll get to that, but before we get there, I think it's important to remember the heart of God. And remember John three sixteen, the famous passage. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. So what did God do? God gave. Why did he give? Because he loved what? He loved the whole world. So what does that mean? That means he loves all sinners. I mean, he loves terrorists, which is mind-blowing. He loves those who are even causing sex trafficking. He loves us who have committed sins here and cheated people, wronged people. He loves murderers, betrayers. And remember, the Apostle Paul said, I'm the worst of all sinners. God loves us. If he could, if he could change the world through Paul, he could do it through anybody. And Jesus said, remember he said, I can take these stones, out of these very stones I can make bread. He says, out of these stones, another passage, like the rocks will cry out. He says, out of stones, I can make sons of Abraham. I mean, he can do it. He loves people. He's chosen, instead of just making something new and creating something new, he chooses to use what's already the broken vessels. And he takes what's, he takes ashes and trades them in for beauty. That's the goodness of our God. Amen. That's really the heart of God is that people would know the truth. Jesus said, unless you're born of water and spirit, you don't have any part of me. You can't have the kingdom of God. And that's the heart of Jesus. He tells the disciples even, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's important that we identify, I know this is a pretty basic message, but that we identify that the kingdom, it's about his will and his way, is reaching the lost, reaching those who are far from him. And then we can go ahead and go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 1. We'll look at this portion of scripture. So Luke is writing to a friend. We don't know if it's a son or a brother, but his name is Theophilus. Theophilus. Hard word, Theotopus. So verse 1 says, In my former book, hard name, I wrote you all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he'd been taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after suffering, he presented them, himself to them with many convincing proofs that he was alive. So Jesus just like, boom, shows up in the room midair, just boom, like a ghost shows up. And he's like, what's up? I'm alive. They're like, whoa, how do we not know it's a ghost? And what does Jesus do? He says, hey, give me some fish to eat. So he proves the convincing proofs are, let me sit down. I'm going to eat with you so you know that I'm flesh and blood. Touch me. See if, see if I'm not real. Many convincing proofs. So that's what those are. And then it says that, uh, that he appeared to them over a period of about 40 days. 
of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, one of the convincing proofs that he's alive and he's not a ghost, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father had promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is what John spoke about earlier. John had said to those, he said, one will come who is greater than I. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's about to happen. So verse 6, they missed it. The disciples missed it because they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like they're missing the mark because what John spoke about that they would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and with fire that's coming. Jesus basically says to them, ah, I picture it like, it's not for you to know the times or dates set by my father. Maybe with a little of annoyance, maybe not. I mean, he's, he's patient, he's God, right? But he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he gives them the action and the action is do nothing. The action is wait, wait on God. Isn't that hard? It's hard to wait on God. When Jesus ascended, there were, there were a great number of people. On the day of Pentecost, there, was, there weren't many people. There was under 100 And it's hard to wait, but he, he says, wait. And he says, if you wait, it's coupled with these actions of what will happen. So in waiting, they would receive power. He says, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, is what he tells them. And who knows that we need power? I need the power of the Holy Spirit. If I'm going to lay hands on someone who's sick, that they might be healed, I need, I need the power of God. If I need to drive a demon out of somebody, I need power. If I'm going to make a decision to buy a new house, I need power. I need, I need discernment from the Holy Spirit whether I should make that purchase or not. I need, I need decisions on which way to go home to avoid a wreck. I need power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. He makes a difference. And the Holy Spirit isn't just to clear things up. There's a belief that's called cessationism which believe, that says that the, whole, the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased today. When well, Acts chapter 2, Peter says to the people who asked them what they should do to be saved, and he says, repent, turn from your sins, repent, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, and this blows the whole sensationist thing out of the water in scripture is and this and you receive the holy spirit and it is for you for your children and all who are far off all scripture says this and we can't deny scripture all who will call upon the lord our god now the argument of the cessationist is this well there's a there's a portion of scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians that says that the the gifts of the spirit prophecy and tongues will cease. Okay. But there's another part of scripture that also says that knowledge will cease. The next, the next line, the next verse says, and knowledge will cease. 
and knowledge has not ceased. So they'll use that scripture to their own belief system because they can't wrap their minds around the Holy Spirit and the works of God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So they choose to put him in a box or throw him out of the box. And it's wrong. And then there's another part of scripture, and this might mess with some of you. There's a part of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. And that's written by the Apostle Paul. How many churches will say, do not speak in tongues? That's heresy. That's wrong. I don't want to stand in front of the, the, the great white, white throne of judgment one day and be in that camp. So just to be clear, that's where we land as a church. We believe in the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not weird. He's not creepy. He's not going to hurt you. He loves you. One other argument is that, I'm getting off a little bit, that the, the, is that if you pray and ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you might receive a demon. That's, that is a doctrine of demons. Because you pray the Father in Jesus' name for something Jesus said he would promise to you and I. And it's, it's a big issue to me because the Holy Spirit's been so good to me. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just to be clear with everybody, if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make you better than any other believer. It makes me better than me. Jude says that when we pray in tongues, when we pray in the Spirit, that we're building up ourselves. It's not to bring a dividing line of I'm better than you or you're better than me. Not to say, well, you don't believe that. Even though there are those who would say the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't for today, they're still our brothers and sisters in Christ. I know I mentioned that, but just to be clear, we don't need to point fingers. We need to point fingers here at ourselves. Where are we at? And that was all a side thing. Sorry. <laughs> go, go back to the message. So be encouraged. The Holy Spirit's for you. He loves you. He's for you. He's not going to make you do anything also because uh, the Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So you get a choice. So what they'll do is they'll receive power from on high. And then number two, what will they do? They'll be witnesses. Where will they be witnesses? They'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that's our model for kingdom builders is here, near, and far. Here, Jerusalem, it's our area. Uh, near, that's the nation. So this when he says Judea and Samaria. And then to the ends of the earth is far for us. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at those, but we're going to start looking at what is furthest from us. So we'll start with far. So far, we have some of those organizations that I talked about earlier. And whether it's missions, uh, you know, and, uh, sex trafficking, uh, to prevent sex trafficking in India or Nicaragua, the, you know, helping with the schools, all that, that's far, right? It's everything outside of the nation of America. So there are ways that you can help and ways that you can help. You can pray. So you have the, the Kingdom Builder booklet that you have next to you. You can pr please pray over those missionaries. That's a prayer guide for you. It's not only something so that you can just give money. It's a prayer guide. Please pray over those missionaries. Also, if the Lord lays one of those missionaries on your heart, write him a card. 
Send them a note. Give them some encouragement. Tell them, we're praying for you. We believe God's going to do great things to your ministry. May there be no weapon formed against you. And, and mail it. Send it out to them. Send an email. But also, I would say, go on a, local, go on a, a mission trip. Not a local mission trip, but a mission trip. Go on a mission trip. Be a part. See what's outside of our nation because we're so blessed. I remember Mexico, like, you know, there's a dead horses next to the on dirt road and, and it's all dirt and you look across the river to texas and it's it's lush with grass i mean there's a there's a big fence there but but you know it's good for us also to remember and help serve you may not be called to local to to national or international missions and that's okay because what we want is we want god's will in our life Whatever that looks like, whether that's to be a missionary or it's to be an honest auto mechanic, because Jesus said, true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. So it's important that we're honest. So you have far and then you have near. So near is the, uh, like not today, which is the, you know, like you tie a knot, not, not today uh, organization that helps identify kids that are in sex trafficking with these dogs that are trained for it. So that's an, an organization that would be, any national organization that we give to, that we're a part of supporting, you can pray over them. You can send, send a mark on your uh, kingdom builders that you want to send them giving, because we want to build the kingdom. We want the kingdom to go forward. Jesus says, my kingdom shall advance forcefully. That's what we want in the violent, take it by force. We want to be violent and take it by force and do everything within our power. So you have far, near, and then you have here our own community. And that's our neighbors, our friends, and our family. And there's different ways that we can help grow the kingdom of God here. One, like I said earlier, is to be honest. Like who knows it's, it's great to have an honest auto mechanic because they can really hurt you real bad. And, and just you just living your life uh, Paul wrote that, that you should make it your ambition, you and I should make it our ambition to lead a quiet life, to work with our own hands and not be dependent upon anybody so that our lives may win the respect of outsiders. You can win the respect of just having a great marriage with people who don't understand that. And they're like, I don't understand why you don't cheat on your spouse. I don't understand how you're kind all the how you don't blow up in the car when you're driving with road rage. I know that's a struggle for many of us. Well, <laughs> it's good to talk back to the preacher. Maybe nudging your spouse, I'm not sure. But another way is you can just share the gospel with them. And what I've done and what I've been trained to do is to go up to people. I had someone train me when I was a senior in high school. Go up to people and ask them, hey, do you know where you're going when you die? I know that's, that's a bold question, right? But what you're doing is you're just putting them, you're taking them from wherever they're, whatever they're thinking at, and you're putting them on the edge, having to confront truth. And that's okay. And say, I got a hard question for you, but where would you go when you die? I've gotten some interesting answers with that before. Had one girl in Lawrence, Indiana, 
tell me. She's, I asked her, I said, do you know where you're going when you die? She said, yes, I'm going to heaven. I said, okay, you have to ask this follow-up question. Why do you believe you're going, up, going to heaven? And her response was, my mom is a pastor. I said, that's great your mom's a pastor, but what your mom does has nothing to do with you. So I said, so where are you going? And then I asked, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Not, do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Different question. Because I can believe I know Jesus, but not really know him. Do I have a personal relationship is different. She said, no, I don't. I said, okay, well, let me explain. You and I have sinned. That sin has made us fall short of God's glory. That's Romans 3.23. And then Romans 6.23, and the wages of sin is death. And that's a spiritual death as well as a physical death. Every one of us are on our way to hell. And, you know, she's, I can see she's tracking with me. And I say, but the good news is Jesus came and gave his life so that you might have life as a sacrifice for your sins and mine because he never sinned. And all you have to do is believe in him, make him your Lord, follow him, and he'll be the Lord of your life. So then prayed to pray to prayer with her, gave her some next steps. Every time you give a next step, go to a local church, get water baptized, join the life group. Those are three easy things. Or you can say, if you forget that, Read your Bible, go to church, uh, just tell somebody. Tell somebody at that church that you accepted Jesus and you need some help. So that's, that's what we've done. This other guy, I asked him, I said, I said, how do you know that you're, you're going, or where are you going to go when you die? And his response was, and he was ready. He said, oh, I'm going to hell. I already know. And he wasn't joking. He was serious. I'm, I'm on my way to hell. And him and his whole family got saved. And they prayed the prayer. And, you know, I don't know where they're at now, but it's one thing you could do. Another thing you can do if you're uncomfortable presenting the gospel, I encourage you, even if you're uncomfortable, to present it because through vulnerability, that's how we grow. But you can also, we have these invite cards at the door. We're going to present at every campus the message of the gospel. So the, on these, there's a QR code. Next week, we're going to have uh, keychains that you can put on your keys so that you don't have to have these with you. And you can just have someone scan a QR code, invite them to Easter. And I ask that each of you invite two or three people to Easter this year. Just invite them. Invite one person a week. Ask them to come. We want God's kingdom to grow. We have to care about our neighbors. I had a, I had a old man... My best friend's grandpa told me this, and it changed my view when I was about 16 or 17. He was a, uh, for the state of Indiana, he would travel to Lithuania as a representative. Back and forth. And uh, just to give you his background a little bit, but he worked with this man, a man for years, for 20 years, 15, 20 years. And then, you know, he was a Christian, you know, the man I knew was a Christian and then, you know, he got a new job. Well, they met five years later, and his friend came up to him angry and said, Lloyd, how dare you? How dare you hurt me how you hurt me? And Lloyd said, what do you mean? He said, Lloyd, you were a Christian, and you never told me about Jesus. You were going to let me go to hell apart from God? How dare you, Lloyd? And that changed Lloyd's heart. 
that he was going to let his friend he worked with never share his faith. We have to be bold and share our faith. Even if it's putting our neck on a chopping block. We have to love people and tell them about the kingdom of God. We want, like Jesus said, I want my house to be full. We want our house full. His house, not this house individually. We want his house full so people can know the goodness of God. They can experience who we have experienced. Amen, everybody? So you have seek first his kingdom, and then the next thing is seek his righteousness. Seek his will and his way. Worship team, you can come on out. His way. The Bible says his way is higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So much higher are his thoughts and his ways than the heavens are from the earth. And that the strength of man is weakness to God. We want his strength. And that means we have to submit to what he has for us. So how do we know that we're living his way? First, we read the Bible. I encourage you to pick up the Bible. If you're not reading it, pick it and read it. We have a daily Bible. There's a Bible app called The Bible. You can just download, begin reading. Really easy. Just begin reading. Start one of the Gospels. If it's been a while, dust that Bible off. Get in it. Because the, the Bible is what penetrates. It's what, what shows us where we're wrong. But then also, we, we need to come and act a prayer. You know, prayer isn't a real religious thing. We say, oh, gracious Father, I love you, Lord. We don't have to have a Christian voice. We don't have to do any of that. It's just talking to God and listening, asking and being obedient to what his word says, to what the Lord's speaking to you. And here's another thing. If you think the Lord is speaking to you about something, you need to do this as a practice. If the Lord tells you to do something, find a script, find two scriptures at least that support the morality behind the decision that you're making. Because if you don't do that, you'll, you, I can miss it and so can you. That's why we have the word. The word corrects. The word reproves. The word, it's his word. And we want it in our life. And there's worship. We're going to enter into worship in a little bit. Worship breaks down our heart so that we can receive, so we can have good soil. It's saying, you are God and I'm not. You are good. You're good regardless of the circumstance that I'm in. And it presents our heart and humbles our heart in a way where our heart is postured like this to receive and surrender to the king. And we posture our hearts that way where we might receive, then it, it allows us an ability to hear from the Most High. In his written word, in his preceding word, he's good. And in relationships, in relationships, James chapter 5 says, pray to God that you might be forgiven, but, but confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. You need people. You need to tell people what's going on so they can slap you upside the head and say, you're crazy a little bit. 
or they need to say, that's, that's not the thing to speak over you. You shouldn't talk that way. So I encourage you to join one of the life groups with Christian, like-minded believers. Because they'll help you grow. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You don't want to be sharpened with a dull sword. You want someone who's sharp, someone who's in the word, who's trying to grow and live this Christian journey. That's why the body of Christ is so important. And we all have gifts and talents. We can make a difference together. But in relationships, that's why we have relationships with these other organizations is also to help hold up their arms. We can't do everything they do, but they can't do what we do. We're the local church, but we help hold up their arms. That's why we give to kingdom builders. That's why we have these faith promises. And I ask you to fill out a faith promise as you would pray God would enable you to give so that his kingdom would grow. But the question is, where's the kingdom of God growing in our heart? Are we looking at things we shouldn't look at? Are we indulging in things we shouldn't indulge? Are we speaking about things? Are we hearing things like that song? Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Oh, be careful little lips what you say. Because if we don't take care of the kingdom of God in us, the temple that's been given to us, how can we funnel and bless the rest of the kingdom if we're not willing to let the kingdom, to submit to the kingdom in our own life? 